Thursday, July 28th, 2022. And today, we're going to be reacting to some of the prominent storylines coming out of the first day of Miami Dolphins training camp, which was yesterday. Tap in. Let's get after it. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Kraft, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins today is Thursday, July 28th, and we are off the heels of the first day of practice. For the Miami Dolphins, we get a chance to look at some of the big plays that happened throughout the course of the day, courtesy of social media. We get the Mike McDaniel press availability. We got the Tua Tungvaloa press availability. We get the Bob Kuchenberg Hall of Fame news. So there's there's lots. Welcome back to football season, guys. It's, it's awesome. And, and we are going to start here today uh, by going through... A lot of the prominent storylines we heard from Wilkins and Phillips and Howard and Armstead and Tungavaloa and McDaniel, the whole gauntlet of guys. And you would, of course, be remiss to, to not start with the Mike McDaniel press availability. I had a chance to watch uh, most of these press availabilities. And, of course, the Dolphins have the transcript, which is what I, I have down here in front of me uh, to make sure I'm properly quoting um, items that I think are important and give us a really good perspective into the Dolphins and their process. You know, this is obviously a very process-oriented organization right now. Uh, that's how you win 19 games in two years and look at the way that you accomplish that and say, hey, the results have maybe been a little better than the process in some ways. That's a little bit of a concern for us. We're ultimately going to change and go in a different direction. We want our process to be more streamlined and fluid and collaborative than what it's been in the past. So, uh, Coach McDaniel given some good insight as far as veteran players. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins have some players that are not available. Uh, Byron Jones uh, is on the PUP. Elijah Campbell, another corner on the non-football injury list. Teron Armstead coming back from an injury and, and procedure in the offseason. And Raheem Mostert coming back from a, uh, an injury that ended this season before it really even got started last year. So this was the first part of what Coach McDaniel talked about that I thought was really important because he got into a little bit of the science behind how the Dolphins are going to approach veterans in training camp in general. He was asked uh, with one of the first questions that he had with Jones on the PUP and Elijah Campbell on the, uh, the non-football injury list. We know they won't be out there. Do you expect Byron will be ready for the start of the season? Anyone you can think will be fairly limited in the first few days of camp, whether it's Ron Armstead or Cedric Wilson or somebody else. And Coach McDaniel's response was this. Uh, similar to Raheem Mostert, Byron is kind of approaching it in the same way that he's expecting himself to get ready for week one. We have to be very cognizant of competitors and making sure they don't do harm to themselves and the team by rushing anything. I've been very happy since I've been here and in this organization with a lot of things. One of those things being our training staff and how diligent they are, how they personalize things, and how they try to get players ready at a pace that's best for themselves, which is the best thing for the Dolphins. So we shall wait and see especially vets, guys like Byron Jones, Tron Armstead, there's no rush right now. The target is September 11th. As long as they're ready to go on week one, the rest of the details, it's gravy if you get them back beforehand. Yes, you'd ideally like them to get some live reps. Uh, and that would have to be ready for that, that uh, season, that week of practice. 
But everything else beyond that, uh, I think is fairly fluid, especially for veteran players like Teron Armstead, the Teron Armsteads and Byron Jones of the world. But I thought it was interesting to hear like his perspective on the training staff in general. And Coach McDaniel was had a follow-up, will there be anybody limited like Teron Armstead? And Coach McDaniel's response gave a little bit more of a peek into you're going to treat everybody, and this is a, I believe this is a Nick Saban quote, and forgive me for dropping a Nick Saban quote on the a Dolphins podcast, but here we are. Uh, treat everybody fairly, but don't treat everybody equally. And it goes back to that same concept that Coach McDaniel was just talking about with the training staff in that you have to be able to customize and things are not one size fits all. So his response, which did not include a Nick Saban quote, as it relates to veterans, uh, I think it's very important that you don't just make an abstract, okay, we're going to limit this guy or whatever. There's a handful of guys that will be practicing for a portion of practice. The two you just named, Byron Jones and Elijah Campbell, are the only two who will not be practicing. But the veterans that we have different reasons for monitoring will be involved in practice in different portions of the practice that best suits what they need to work on and what they need to protect themselves from. We're fortunate to have. There was a lot of hard work that went into that, and we're going to have all of our guys out there. We will adjust each player's rep count on a case-by-case basis, day in and day out. Bravo. Now, as I said, you know, treat everybody fairly. You know, and Players who are tenured, like a Byron Jones, who, of course, is not practicing, and a Teron Armstead, uh, they have earned a little bit of leniency, as evidenced by the investment that the team has made in each one of these players. And for the team to uh, have this kind of deliberate approach and, and for Coach McDaniel to talk about that being a big point of emphasis, and it came up again later, too, uh, was very, very enlightening to know where this team is at, and it's not just recklessly all gas, no brakes. It's good process. And a good process doesn't always lead to the best results, but it will give you a better chance of leading to consistently better results when it's all said and done. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, and I think this is important for Dolphins fans who are planning on going uh, to the public practices next week. Uh, Coach McDaniel was asked about his philosophy when it comes to the intensity of training camp. Um, Coach McDaniel's response was this. Not sure if you guys know this, but reps help in life. Is it truly a Mike McDaniel answer without a quip at the front? So my personal philosophy, the one that we're imploring here, is that we have full speed effort and intensity on all the plays in practice. To do that, we don't have as many reps as maybe practice won't be as long as some of you've been around previously. But it's all because it's built towards there's no such thing as just going through the motions. When we practice, we want to practice with intent and a purpose and a speed and a veracity that separates ourselves from the rest of the league. That's hard to do. There's a lot of people working and a lot of talent. So the one thing that this team, we built a standard in OTAs, and my expectation in training camp is that this team, their standard is to practice hard, and they're trusting me that I won't overload them. I need to challenge them. They don't need to be comfortable, but I'm not in the business of making players worse. So it's a fine line that you try to decide, and you adjust as you go doing the best uh, to do the best for them. thought this was really interesting, too. Uh, kind of quality over quantity of reps. Uh, I'm sure uh, Coach Shula 
from up up above grimaced a little bit with the, the notorious what three a day practices or whatever it was when he first got to Miami. But uh, the the sentiment is the same in that you want to be the best. You're going to set a certain standard with how you practice. Uh, but the way sports science is now and uh, kind of the, the explosiveness of, of professional athletes, you know, the, the wear and tear and the risk of, of traumatic injury is, is much higher. So being deliberate and calculated with those reps and making them count and walking that fine line, uh, the best that you can do, I think, as a, as a coach in these situations is to follow through on the things that coach McDaniel is talking about. But then when it, when, like when the chips are down, um, make those live adjustment calls and get a read on your team and get a beat on your team and make decisions to say, Hey, no, we need to do something else today based on the energy of the team or, Hey, the team needs a fire lit up underneath of them. So let's do something more competitive, so on and so forth. So, um, I thought that was really interesting to hear coach McDaniel kind of openly acknowledge like, yeah, practices um, might be shorter than you're used to, but when we practice, we're going to practice hard. So dolphins fans bring that expectation. And I know somebody like me who um, you go to a lot of all-star events, the senior bowl every year, the shrine bowl. Um, you see a lot of evaluation practices. And I was at camp last year for the dolphins for several days of practice. and. Um, I was impressed with, with Dolphins practice last year, and I can't wait to foil that versus what this year's practice looks like and trying to identify some of the things that Coach McDaniel is talking about for himself. One thing you don't need to evaluate to get an answer for is what is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's Built Bar. Built Bars are a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely delicious. Right now, you can visit Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% on your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Coach McDaniel asked about Noah Igbenogany. What kind of an opportunity is this for Noah? Tremendous opportunity. That's what the team needs to be the team we all want to be, which is that people recognize each and every rep as an opportunity and you utilize it to the best of your advantage. More reps against Tyreek Hill hasn't hurt anybody unless they have confidence issues. Those types of things, you're on an island as a corner. You have to have a short memory, and it is you're not facing the direction that the offense is trying to go. You're trying to guard an elite athlete. It's difficult, but this is an opportunity. It's not only going to help him moving forward. Um, it's only going to help him moving forward, so I'm excited for that. Consider the gauntlet throw. Now, of course, he was asked directly about Noah Igbenogany, and it sounds like off of practice yesterday, uh, we saw some good things from Trill Williams. Uh, it was reported that he had a interception return for a touchdown against Teddy Bridgewater. And as a uh, Trill Williams stand podcast here, things you love to see. Trill Williams, uh, like Noah, is long, physical, fluid, explosive athlete. Uh, Trill fell in large part because of some questions about being a tweener and also some medical stuff uh, in the draft when he came out. But uh, he latched on with the Dolphins last year as UDFA. And well, that that depth outside corner spot, which is something that I talked with Zach Krantz uh, and Joe Rose about yesterday on the Joe Rose show more, uh, in the morning, is it's kind of wide open. 
And to hear um, somebody like Trill actually actively taking advantage of that is a big boom. Uh, before we transition into finishing Coach McDaniel, uh, because I want to get into him and captains and then acknowledge the Tuatonga Valoa press availability as well. Some of the standouts uh, from those who have been in it, who were in attendance at practice, some of, some of the most prominent storylines. Uh, Tuatonga Valoa sounded to have a perfect day. Uh, some of the people that I had reached out to said, you, you do see a little bit more zip and pop on throws on the run uh, with a boot. So that, that is a promising sign. Of course, the sustainability of that is going to be one of the major questions for Tua as the year presses on. But to hear that, yeah, you, I thought you saw a little bit more zip on the ball, especially, you know, there was one time when he threw the ball on the run and had a nice, nice amount of velocity on it. That is an encouraging report. I'll get a chance to see it from my own eyes next week. And I'll let you guys know what I think uh, as well. But um, you love hearing that kind of feedback. Tyree kill uh, the chemistry and the work that he's put in with Tua Tungvaloa uh, reportedly showed itself pretty quickly yesterday. Some big plays, uh, some throws down the field, some, some good accuracy, uh, touch down the sideline, uh, a couple of explosive play opportunities with run after the catch. Sound like Jalen Waddle had himself a nice day as well. So obviously we don't have full pads yet. So kind of temper your expectations for the trenches playing the run game and all those reports, which is of course going to be such a big piece of what the dolphins are able to force themselves to be moving forward. Um, but promising to hear that, Hey, your additions or in your efforts improvement, your, your biggest area of improvement, AKA the supporting staff around your young quarterback, uh, showcase itself fairly well on day one. Coach McDaniel's last question that I want to talk about is, is pertaining to captains. He was asked, how and when do you decide on captains and how do you use them as a vehicle to connect with your team? Uh, and his response was, I've been waiting on somebody to ask me about a captain. I don't decide the captains. I think it, the point of a captain is to be a leader on the field for the other players. I appreciate democracy in general. And I think that the players are the best ones to tell you who they want representing them. And we'll do that after we decide the 53-man roster. As far as how he uses them to connect with the team, he makes sure to specify he tries not to use anybody uh, with a chuckle, uh, but then goes on to say, I think especially on a team where there's so many young, committed, hungry players that who they decide, like I'm not really worried about who they decide, who they vote as a captain, but I know this, that to get votes on this team, you have to be extremely hardworking. You have to set a standard and demand a standard around you. And in that way, I think captains are vessels. They're examples. When you're dealing with a captain, you could set the tone on how you want things to operate. As a coach, we end up saying a lot of negative things. And I really like this point from Coach McDaniel. That can be perceived as negatives. So a lot of times people don't want to hear, they want to hear, I did awesome. So captains specifically are great to utilize where, no, our job as coaches is to coach. Quite literally, we'd be doing you injustice if we didn't bring up negativity. Embrace the coaching because generally coaches don't waste time coaching players they don't believe in. So it's a privilege. And by that way, and whoever our team votes, I'll be very, very confident that I can lean on them in that way. Strong messaging from Coach McDaniel as far as the um, focus and energy uh, between the coaching staff and their 
uh, duty and diligence to the team, which is to push the players to get better by, by coaching. And the captain's kind of fostering that environment. Not necessarily just being the guys that go out and handle the coin toss, but the guys who um, serve as a voice for the players and who can serve as voice for the coaches in a a mutually beneficial way. Tua Tungvaloa met with the media as well. And he was asked... um, one of the things that Coach McDaniel mentioned that we didn't discuss was you know, Tua Tungvalu being particularly hard on himself. And one of Coach McDaniel's objectives for Tua Tungvalu was to leave poor plays behind, understand that you want to perform at a very high level, you have high expectations for yourself, but leave those negative plays behind you and immediately move on to the next one. And Tua was asked, Coach said, that he wants you to be less hard on yourself sometimes. Can you describe what that means for you? Has that always been a trait of yours? And I think for a player like Tua Tungvaloa, who has had the experience that he's had for his first couple of seasons in the NFL, the more we can understand about the way he works, I think will be helpful for us as fans. Uh, He said, I would say being hard on myself has always been a trait. I think for any competitor, That's the way we've grown to become professional athletes. I think everyone is hard on themselves at a certain extent. For me, I know my capabilities. So when I'm not playing up to it or living up to it, it gets frustrating. I think everyone on the team feels the same way when they don't do their job the way they are supposed to do it because overall it either benefits the team or it doesn't. And then he was one of the follow-up questions was how would you assess your first practice? Um, He said, I will never say I had the best practice or it was a great practice. I think overall it was a good first day of practice. Obviously, there are the things we can work on, but it's the best when you can come back, you can get back out on the field, throw to the guys, see coverage again, get back in the groove of things. And I think once you get back into the rhythm, that's when you start to see things click on both sides of the ball. And and Travis Wingfield, a.k.a. Godfather Locked on Dolphins, uh, asked a question in regards to a throw that he made to Tyreek Hill in practice. And Tua talked about, uh, and Travis asked him about how does uh, your confidence level change when you know it's you're working with Tyreek as far as the timing of your progressions? And I really liked Tua's answer because it wasn't so much about Tyreek specifically as it was about uh, the coverage. And that's, that's important growth because that has been an area for Tua Tungvaloa that he really hasn't had to worry about, right? You go back to Alabama, and he's had to worry about the last two years, but you go back to when Tua Tungvalu was the most effective version of himself as a player. You didn't really, like, it didn't matter who was running the routes. They were going to be open, right? Because you had, what, four first-round wide receivers that you were throwing to at Alabama. You have one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. And his answer was not, yeah, when it's Tyreek, I just know he's going to get open. It was, uh, why would I not just read you the answer when I have the, <laughs> when I have the, the uh, transcript right in front of me? I think our throws are always dependent on the coverage. It was man coverage. They tried to spin the coverage into some kind of lurk coverage. We spotted it, and I knew Tyreek was one-on-one on the outside, and I gave him an opportunity, and he made the play. 
It seems fairly simple. It seems fairly straightforward, in part because it is. But at the same time, I appreciate that answer from a player who, as a rookie, was playing in a system that they really struggled to find ways to cater to Tua Tungvaloa's strengths. And then last year, they leaned way too hard into the one area that you felt the coaching staff had any level of confidence that he could do to the point where the offense was super one-dimensional. Seeing, and, and the big divider, the big difference between Tua Tungvaloa and Ryan Fitzpatrick when both players were on the Dolphins roster in 2019 and 2020, or in 2020, I should say, was Ryan Fitzpatrick so frequently understood the pre-snap picture, it allowed the team to consistently be in the right place. And it gave him, obviously, his familiarity with the offense and allowed him to make changes. There was no good playbook and bad playbook. It was what level of the playbook and what percentage of the playbook did you have mastered that we knew you could operate at a full capacity? And in my personal experiences with the game, and this is just me talking, but in my personal experiences of the game, once you have a general understanding of the concepts, the fastest way to process, I love watching quarterbacks. I love evaluating quarterbacks. I've had some hits. I've had some misses. But at this chapter in myself as a player evaluator and a consumer of the game of football and, and somebody who tries to approach his film studies in the same way that, that a player would approach theirs, the quickest way to process information is to identify defensive structure and then process what they're actually doing. And once you do that, you kind of know the general rules, and then you can go back and say, okay, what concept did they run? And you see the concept, and okay, 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 so this is maybe it's a pick aside. Uh, progression. Maybe this is a, a pure progression that works fully across the field. Maybe this is an RPO based on the front and the apex defender and the safety rotation and the depth of the corners and the leverage of the corners and uh, the ball, the, or I should start here, right? So to hear that, that technical explanation from Tua as it pertained to getting a certain kind of coverage and seeing the team try to spin into a different kind of coverage, which means they're rotating the, the, the safeties down. They're trying to change the picture on the quarterback. As far as we got two high safeties and we're going to push and we're going to, we're going to push that safety down so he can be in a lurk role. And then we're going to have one high safety. And you're going to have man-to-man coverage on the outside. When you go from two high pre-snap look to that one high look, and you know, it's man-to-man outside, give an elite wide receiver a shot to catch the ball. That's what he did. And it worked. So, um, that was that was an answer that I really appreciated from from Tua Tungvalu. And we would be remiss to not at least mention the final question, which I believe came from Joe Shad. And the question was, expectations have been so high for you at every point in your career, peewee, high school, drafting the NFL. Now it seems like maybe more than ever, there are people in the media, coaches, executives who are questioning your ceiling, even your ability. How do you process that? Well, how do you feel about that? And how much of that is a change for you? And we got to see, like, we saw Spicy Tua earlier this offseason, and Spicy Tua popped back up again with this. I appreciated the answer. 
I don't know any of those guys. If that's what they have to say and good for them, it's probably a good thing for them to say to draw people for clickbait or whatever it is. To me, if I can't hear you, then you're not that important to me. If you're in my circle and I can hear you and what you're saying, then obviously you have to be extremely important to me. If I can't hear it, it probably isn't important. I know Tua Tungvaloa can't hear me, but um, it's, it's why I've tried the absolute best that I can to remain patient with the evaluation process of a young quarterback like this. Uh, because new information will change your opinions. It should change your, your opinions. And context is very important. There is no ability to look at the game of football, peel back one layer and say, there's your problem. It doesn't work that way. There are thousands of shades of gray. There are very few binary issues, either yes or no, black or white. But as I think about the evaluation process that many have absorbed with Tua Tungvaloa, and to his point, there's one thing I can guarantee you is Tua Slander on, on the internet is going to drive a lot of engagement because you got a pent-up, frustrated fan base that is sick and tired of what has been considered normal for far too long. And they're ready to win, man. And I hope this is the team to do it. I hope this is the team that can get the standard back for Dolphins fans and for the Dolphins franchise that was expected for the entirety of the Don Shula era. And even... Beyond that, the, the Jimmy Johnson years, Dave Wonstadt years, obviously that bottomed out in a not pretty way. Uh, and the championship pedigree was a long time ago. And I hope you can recapture that too, of course, as anybody who is passionate about the Dolphins would. But I know this fan, this fan base is ready, guys. As evidenced by, uh, I believe I saw, the public practices are all sold out. And uh, the, the tickets were free. But uh, you had to pre-register to have a pass to come to practice 10 practices, eight practices, eight practices. And uh, they are all sold out. This, this town is ready. I hope you'll take that ride with me. Uh, we have Power to the Pod tomorrow, which is our mailbag episode. So if you have anything you want to talk about, now is your time. Reach out to me, Locked on Fins, grinding the tape on Twitter. Leave a review of the show with a question embedded. I'll, I'll try to get to all of those anytime that I can. And uh, let's start getting excited for next week because uh, Locked On Dolphins will be in South Florida and taking in those practices uh, that so many of you will have a chance to be at as well. And I hope to link up with some of you guys along the way. And, of course, we've got an update coming for the uh, Dolphins Challenge Cancer Fantasy Football League that we're doing again this year. So lots of great stuff coming up. Plan accordingly. Come on back, see me again. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great one.